Hi, welcome to the Woodland Hills Podcast. I'm Caleb. I'm Bella. And today we are joined with my grandpa, Randy Lewis. So, Grandpa, how did you first get involved in local politics? Well, it was pretty funny. Early in 2013, I'd never had a political position in my life. And uh, uh, we, found, we found out that the former mayor was not going to run again. And I had another mayor who had been mayor before that that came into my office and said, hey, why don't you run for mayor? And I said, what? And he says, well, there's no, there's no hurry about this except I have to know in two minutes. He said, because another person wants me to endorse him for mayor and I need to, I need to know if you'll run for mayor. And I said, I would love to run for mayor. <laughs> so it literally, in early 2013, I committed to running for mayor from really from scratch. <laughs> ah, that's pretty cool. Um, what did you enjoy most about being a mayor? Bill? For sure, the education, because I didn't know a lot of political procedure, a lot about how the government ran. I, I learned really quickly that uh, sometimes city government gets uh, criticized or certain things and until you're there you don't know why some of the why some of the decisions have to be made at the city level and not there it's almost impossible to let everybody know what the reason for every decision so it was wonderful I started out basically in kindergarten politically and after eight years I felt like I was maybe a freshman in college or something, but I, I gained a lot of knowledge, which I love about that. I love dealing with a lot of scouts, a lot of youth groups, and and those kinds of things. So those, those are really important to me. Yeah, it's really interesting. So what do, you just, what do you consider your biggest accomplishment during your time in office? Well, when I went home and told Melanie I was running for mayor, she was almost embarrassed. It was like, oh my gosh, what if you win and I have to call, people have to call you mayor, it'll be so embarrassing. But she said, well, if you're going to be mayor, why don't you make Bountiful more fun? And so I feel like the accomplishment we've done here is we really have made Bountiful more fun. Uh, parks were a big, a really big accomplishment. Uh, Creekside Park that is over across from the high school, um, seven acres of just beautiful land that you rarely have in a city that's already established like our city. To be able to find something in the center of the city like that was a really big deal. And, and I would say what we've done on Main Street downtown, making that Main Street be kind of Americana, mm -hmm. it's really fun. and. We put that together with Bountiful Town Square, where we have the running water and we have the ice ribbon that is was only the second one that was built in the state of Utah. Uh, hundreds of them were built in Canada, and that's who built ours for us was somebody <laughs> from Canada. But those those are things that I think are a couple of things that were really important to me is that I needed to be able to look my wife Melanie in the eye and say, hey, I, we did it. We made Bountiful more fun. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so I guess we can go to the younger generation that is moving in or putting roots 
and bountiful, so to say. Are these things you hope they preserve the things you like to see, or is there anything you'd like to see change over the next 50 years? Well, it's, it's difficult. We're growing so fast. I'm not sure I'm a big fan of how many people are moving into the state of Utah, how many are moving into Davis County. It's, uh, it's problematic with water. It's problematic with traffic. It's just, it's really difficult. I would think in the next 50 years, I would think in the next 50 years, it will make a lot of difference in uh, electric cars and other things. You know, there'll just be a lot of innovation. But I think some of the things that young people are, really want, they want trails up in the mountains and we're doing that now. Trails, all kinds of trails. I'm hoping that, uh, I'm hoping that those are all preserved and that we can really preserve our uh, Bountiful culture. Bountiful may be the best well-known city on earth in Utah. Now, I, I say that because Salt Lake City might have it because they had the Olympics. But with uh, the missionaries that go out from all over the world, from Utah, they, uh, they take, they take uh, the book of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and in it, it talks about Bountiful. And just by that alone, uh, this, is, this is really an import, important cultural place. Have you ever heard it said when you say, oh, I'm from Bountiful, and people go, oh, that is a, that is a really cool <laughs> place to live. And even when I had a business, I would call back east to get some equipment for the lab that I ran. And I, they'd say, what's your address? And I'd say, Bountiful. And they go, that is the most beautiful name. I've never even heard it anywhere else in the country. Bountiful is not a user, but it is a great name. Bountiful is a great name. I agree. So now let's switch to topic, maybe a little less serious. So okay. <laughs> I know you love to fish. I do. So what was your first memory with a fishing pole? You know, I can never, this and this is honest truth, I can never remember not fishing. <laughs> when I look at my parents' old uh, eight millimeter tapes, one of them is, I, I'm, I'm really surprised my parents would let me go over to Mill Creek because we lived in the center of Salt Lake Valley. Mill Creek Stream went right by us, but not, not right a block or two away. And I got these old films with me coming back with a, stick with fish on one of the branches like you see what you'd probably see with huckleberry finn or something and i'm walking back and i've got a couple of fish and they'd let me go over and fish on that stream when i was really young alone so i uh, and with my friends but i can rem i can never remember starting fishing i've always fished <laughs> that's awesome what is your favorite piece of fishing gear well now uh, I, I have a float tube and I also have a pontoon boat and a fly rod with sinking line that I love to go to still water. So lakes and, and dam water and those kinds of things. And, and that's the way I fish a lot around here in Utah. So I, I love, I love fishing. I love fishing that way here. So with a fly rod, my float tube. Yeah. yeah. So I know you often fish in Alaska. I've even been there and been up there with you. You have. Yeah. So what keeps drawing you back to that place? Salmon, <laughs> the beauty. Uh, I've, I've been very fortunate to send a lot of people up to a fishing lodge 
in Alaska. And because I did, and, and really, I've been to Alaska as if I were a very wealthy man. <laughs> and I'm not because I've gotten so many privileges because I've sent so many people to Alaska. So not only did I live in Anchorage for three years, about 12, 14 years ago, but I've, but I've made a hundred trips, maybe just a little bit more to Alaska. And uh, at least three, usually three times a year, a little bit more. And I started in 1979. So it, uh, I've been to Alaska a lot. I love it. It's my, it's my second home. Bountiful is my first home. Yeah. Alaska is my second home. Have you ever ran into any dangerous wildlife or crazy stories up there? Yeah, I've got a lot of crazy stories. <laughs> oh, I, I've, I saw, I, I've, I used to count bears because I love them. And the bears, uh, I saw 67 bears, including four polar bears up at uh, Barrow, Alaska, which is on the very top of Alaska by the Chuck Chi Sea and the Buford Sea. I was my wife and we saw four polar bear and they're very dangerous. They yeah. were a ways away. But I've been very, I, I've had two huge brown bear. They're just really grizzlies, but if they're on the coasts, they're called brown bear and they're mm -hmm. huge. The biggest, bear, biggest grizzly bear in Yellowstone is about 600 pounds. These coastal bears in Alaska sometimes will get up to 1,500 pounds. So they look like the size of a Volkswagen. And I've had them come uh, within six or seven feet of one bear chasing another one who stole its salmon. And they weren't interested in me because they had plenty of food, but they just were, went right by me. I had a big humpback whale uh, flap its tail on the front of my boat, my 16-foot stiff boat, and, uh, and hit it hard. <laughs> so, I mean, it wasn't trying to do anything. It was just not paying attention. And when it finally did pay attention to get out of her way, it, <laughs> it hit my boat pretty hard. So, yes, I've, I've, uh, I've had uh, quite a few encounters with uh, a few moose, too, but nothing, nothing that uh, I got hurt with. But, yeah, there's, there's lots and lots of, there's lots of things you have to look out for in Alaska. That's cool. So I've heard you share a few of these kind of stories, but can you share with us a memorable story from your fishing adventures, like a boat accident, an injury, or reeling in the big one? Okay, well, I'll tell you a couple. So anyway, <laughs> anyway, I have, uh, I've never been in a car accident in my life. I'm 73 years old, never been in a car accident, been in two horrible boat accidents, including, including one just last September, which I just have it should have taken off my head instead. I only got yeah. this scar because I turned at the very last moment. Divine providence, I feel. But a, a lot of years ago, I had a bad boating accident where in both of these, I, it should have taken my life. It should have taken my life and it didn't. So those are, those are I'd have to go into a lot of detail, <laughs> but I walk a little poorly because a, a boat prop took out most of the bottom right side of my leg here. Yeah. And you've seen it. It's not yeah, pretty. Yeah. It's not pretty. So I've been, I've been, I was very, very lucky. I was very lucky to, uh, to be able to have that. But I'll tell you a little fishing story. About um, nine, I think it was 1987, I'm up in uh, Ketchikan, Alaska with my son, Aaron, and my dad. My dad, oh, he loves going to Alaska when we visit. But he'd been there a couple of times and he'd never caught a halibut. And we went out, 
we went out to this little spot where we thought we could catch a halibut. We'd caught a couple the day before, but he didn't catch one. And uh, uh, all of a sudden we had, they're on the bottom and they can be really big. And my, my son and my dad, he, they caught true cod and they kind of come up from the bottom in a circle and they got everything all, all tangled up. And so I put my halibut rod down in the boat and I know to be really careful. And it was my brand new one that I bought for the first time. I bought a $150 reel and, and halibut rod. I put it in the, in the bottom of the boat and only left just a little bit sticking out. And I went to help him. And the next thing I see is my reel, which is really heavy, is about six feet in the air. And so a fish oh. took it. And uh, I thought this must be a really, really big fish because it had to pull really hard to flip up the back to take it down. And so I was really upset. And um, we were about maybe three miles from the lodge. And we, we were there early in the morning. So we went back and had breakfast. And the inside passage of the salt water is really flat. And so you're not in big boats when you're doing this. We're just in 16 foot double hauled skiffs. And we came back out to the general same area. And uh, my dad, my dad gets a really nice bite. And we're just so sure that it's a halibut because it's just the way it's fighting. And anyway, it starts getting up to the top and it just has, happens to be a very unusual, large, unusually large uh, true cod, maybe about three feet long, probably weighed 15 pounds, but it just was a hard fighter. And mm -hmm. my son Aaron got it in the net and uh, was just starting to bring it in. And then he noticed that in the side of the fish's mouth was another hook and the line went up through the net out over the net and down into the water. No way. <laughs> and we're like, we're all like, there's no way. <laughs> there is there is absolutely no way. This is an hour and a half or two after I had lost my wow. pole. Hand, hand, by hand over hand, in 200 feet of water, we bring it up and I get my rod and reel wow. back. That is now, crazy. I've had three or four of those kind of experiences in Alaska, which there's no explanation for it on earth. Why in the world a fish that just was stinging from already being hooked uh, two hours earlier by me, you know, from my rod, would then want, had to be so hungry that it wanted to eat it again. And I ended up getting my rod and reel back. So yeah, I've had some fun stories. That's, That's awesome. amazing. <laughs> That's really cool. Uh, is there any place in the world where you'd like to fish that you haven't yet? Yes. There's a little place at the very end of Argentina called Tierra del Fuego. And it's famous for really strong winds and this beautiful uh, Rio Grande River that's full of big brown trout that you catch on a fly rod. And it looks so fun. And these fish are three feet long and you know they're weighing 25 pounds and you're catching them on a fly rod and to me it just sounds like oh my gosh it would be so fun but I don't care where I go in the world it's really hard to beat the fishing in Alaska that's what I'll tell <laughs> yeah. you it's very hard to beat the fishing in Alaska so 
if I had my choice and they give me a choice to go to Tierra del Fuego or back to Alaska somewhere where I haven't been, I think they're gonna find me in Alaska. <laughs> Thank you, Brother Lewis, for joining us today. We will send you this audio file and encourage you to upload it in familysearch.org. There is a memories tab where you can upload audio files. If any of you listeners have a strong story to share or know someone who has a story to tell, please contact a member of the Temple and Family History Committee. Our committee also hosts a workshop on the third Sunday of each month. You are invited to come get help on your personal family history research or come record stories for your private records. Until next time, I'm Bella Oborn. And I'm Caleb Allred. Thanks for listening to the Woodland Hills Podcast.